Our first case is Tiger Lily Ventures v. Barclays Capital, uh, 2021-11-07. Before we begin, the panel has determined that Barclays has an improper cross-appeal, and so you can continue to make the points in your normal time. You will not get a second argument time, and the added word count was improper, but that is in the past. So without further ado, we'll proceed. Mr. Garza. May it please the Court, my name is Robert Garza, and I appear here together with John Lane on behalf of Tiger Lily Ventures Limited. We are being haunted by the ghosts of trademarks past, where the malevolent spirit in this case is not the whiskey brand of the appellant, but rather, say we, Barclays Capital. For you see, in nearly 14 years, the Court should note, ever since the fabled collapse of Lehman Brothers Bank, and Barclays Capital purchased the assets of Lehman Brothers, but not the companies themselves, there has been no bona fide use by Barclays Capital in the ordinary course as contemplated by the Lanham Act, Section 1127. There has been no services, or there have been no services. There have been no goods developed. There has been no marketing of any form of Lehman Brothers banking product or services. Well, now, the services, as to services, the appellees urge that there is evidence that under the Lehman Brothers mark, persons operating the winding down process for Lehman Brothers have, among other things, managed properties. Why isn't that a service? Because it's dependent upon, and this was a question, actually, that we asked Mr. Greenberg during cross-examination in deposition, as to, well, how is this a service? Is this a license? Is it a controlled license? What are they doing? Well, let me divide the question into two. One question is, is this a service that's attributable to Barclays? The other is, is this a service being done under the Lehman Brothers mark? Do you dispute that the management of properties, which I assume involves, for example, if they're commercial properties, maintenance, refunding, and so forth, was that, is it your view that that doesn't constitute a service, even with respect to the Lehman Brothers employees themselves? Well, in respect of the Lehman Brothers employees, that's difficult to define, because this, in our respectful submission, was a winding down process. Right, but winding down can involve, as in this case, an elaborate set of activities, right? Very much so. If there's an intent to resume use, if there's still an intent for there to be a goodwill that's being maintained within the mark, there can be two different types of bankruptcies, and we appreciate that. There's a bankruptcy where there is an underlying business which is going to emerge from bankruptcy at the end of the day. 
So where, whereby a company, for example, will still wish to maintain goodwill within the mark, within a brand, for the purposes, hypothetically, of either emerging from bankruptcy at the end of the day or alternatively selling that mark at the end of the day. That's one type of bankruptcy. There's another type of bankruptcy, which is an asset strip or which is a winding down of a company where there's no intent to resume any use of the mark, where whilst you do have bankruptcy functions and bankruptcy business and even services... But I, I'm not clear that I understand exactly the distinction you're drawing because are you saying that on the day after a bankruptcy, which is designed to wind down the assets, close the business, not re-emerge from bankruptcy as an on, ongoing enterprise, on that day that the mark becomes abandoned because there is no intent at the end of the entire winding down period to resume business as it had been done before. That is a very, that's a great question and it's a very fact-intensive inquiry which the board should go into and properly go into. But we find on October the 21st of 2008, Barclays Capital putting out a press release stating we are rebranding the entirety of Lehman Brothers. Everything that was a Lehman Brothers good or service, if it was an index, we state that is now no longer going to be Barclays, uh, that's no longer going to be Lehman Brothers anymore, that is now going to be Barclays. So anything that they had taken over to themselves and were looking for there to be a further goodwill that was going to inure into the mark, they were publicly stating, and there was a public statement and a marketing campaign to say, we are no longer that. So it's not necessarily the case that it can never be the case. We're dealing in law. There's a level of artistry with respect, Your Honour, that, uh, that one can never lay hard and fast mathematical rules and say, in this, it, it, is it always the case that that can transpire? The question is, what transpired here in these circumstances? Here in these circumstances, Barclays branded away. Barclays said no more. So, but this is a substantial evidence review, correct? Yeah. So where does that leave us? You're not seeking a reversal, you're seeking a remand. So you're essentially saying... They reviewed the evidence, but what? What are they supposed to do on remand that they didn't do? Reevaluate the facts the way you'd like them reevaluated? Well, the, to take uh, not uh, not not to take the inferences that they uh, that they shouldn't have taken in those circumstances, because we only deal here with two two levels of evidence. The maximum in the thirty thousand pages that was that was served by Barclays in these circumstances. Um, there was a deep trawl of any reference to Lehman Brothers anywhere. There were two aspects that they stated uh, should uh, should inure to benefit for them. The first was a brace license, which was a British license. The second was in respect to the winding down process. What we respectfully submit is that first and foremost, there should um, that the Tiger Lily did meet its um, it, its its burden in respect to showing abandonment on a presumptive level. Secondly, that um, that the evidence that was submitted by Barclays in the course of the record did not displace that presumptive burden that was uh, that was advanced by uh, by Tiger Lily. And thirdly, that the inferences that were drawn should not have been drawn in these circumstances. The evidence the evidence is the same. Uh, that uh, that we have, but with respect, on the face of the case law that we have, Your Honour, and on the face of what was, in fact, argued before the lower court, before the board, there should never have been a finding in these circumstances that, first, 
that there was no abandonment. And secondly... So you're asking for a do-over. You're asking for a reversal. You're saying even under the substantial evidence standard, they were wrong. Yes. Okay. Uh, let me turn before your time runs out to the likelihood of confusion aspect yes. of this case. Because um, I appreciate you've got financial services in one corner and then you've got these bar and stuff. But in a, the other related case, you all conceded or admitted or gave in that bar services were a related service, right? Not, uh, n uh, not quite. I don't quite see the concession that, uh, that was there. Didn't in that other related case you say that your bar services are related to Barclays services? No, I don't believe so. So your view is that bar services and whatever the other stuff and financial is. services between bar services and financial so you've services. Never, you've never made any admission or concession that bar services are related to to to, to financial services. No, not to, uh, not as far as I'm aware, and I might be wrong. And I, I could stand to be corrected on the face of my own briefs, but uh, but but I don't believe so. One is a one is a whiskey, and one is financial services. And my respectful submission: the twain do not meet. They are, and one of the questions that we've been asking all the way along, uh, and if we might say, is who are the consumers here that stand to be confused? There is no deception that's going on here from uh, from uh, from Tiger Lily's perspective. Uh, there's a line... But isn't the analysis a bit different? If we're talking about generic terms, blue moon or whatever, then certainly there's a, a small likelihood that a consumer is going to be confused when it sees these generic terms, however, put together versus something else. Here we've got the actual mark. We've got Lehman Brothers. Lehman Brothers doesn't have any other arguable meaning other than Lehman Brothers. The meaning is the same no matter whether you put it on financial services or on beer. So let's call it the difference between consumer recognition and goodwill. And there's a difference between the two. Tiger Lily Ventures, what they're seeking to do is to amuse and not confuse. It is a ridicule of the fact that a bank is now putting out a whiskey. It is so you're in effect arguing parody. Tantamount to parody. There's no real. There's no real. I didn't see. I didn't really see an argument about the parody line of authority in your brief. It seemed to me you were arguing no likelihood of confusion simply because the products are different. That, that's because within, within trademark law, with, uh, with respect, parody has not been fully, uh, fully fleshed out. Right, as, I uh, understand uh, that, but I, I, I would have thought that if you are really pressing this as a parody case, you would have taken the parody line of cases fleshed or not. There is, there, you, your Honour's correct. There, there, are, there are arguments throughout our brief that do speak to, that do bespeak to um, the fact that what Tiger Lily is seeking to do here is to trade upon the bad will rather than the good will of, uh, of, uh, of the brand. You see, Your Honour, we're dealing here with a remarkable, uh, a case of first impression, if it were uh, uh, to, uh, to put it in this regard. The case of first impression is this. There's never been, as far as I've seen on the case law, a, a, a time where a mark has had a cataclysmic turn into collapse, whereby, whereas within its main business, it had goodwill, and then it descended into badwill. 
a Madoffian turn, if one could um, if one could put it at that level. And what and what Tiger Lily is seeking to do is to take a sardonic, sarcastic approach. If one sees its branding as Lehman Brothers' ashes of disaster, and so that rather than seeking to trade on somebody's goodwill, that which a business has has built up is to trade on the bad will which has come on the um, on the back end of its collapse. So people can, for want of better phraseology, um, give a proverbial gesture to the banking industry through the medium of alcohol. Counsel, you into your rebuttal time. You can continue or save it as you wish. I uh, I will continue later uh, during my rebuttal. I thank Judge you very much. Yes. One other point, just uh, maybe while you're sitting down for rebuttal on Appendix 7, the fourth bullet point, it seems that the board at least thought that you uh, conceded that point. So tell me, maybe you could look at that and tell me why I'm wrong, because it seems to me appropriate. Oh, oh, I, I will do, Anna. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Shimano. May it please the court, I'm Eric Shimanoff from Cowan, Leibowitz, and Lapman on behalf of the appellees, Barclays PLC and Barclays Capital Inc. To misquote Mark Twain, the news of Lehman Brothers' death has been greatly over-exaggerated. The TTAB correctly found that substantial evidence showed the Lehman Brothers' mark had not been abandoned. When Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy in 2008, it was left with hundreds of billions of dollars worth of assets. Since that time, it has basically been acting as an asset manager, investing in, maintaining, selling its vast portfolio of commercial real estate, securities, derivative swaps. All of this has been a service provided for the benefit of the creditors of Lehman Brothers. But this is a, this is a process, the bankruptcy, which is going to eventually conclude. I assume it's still ongoing. Yes. And so, so we all contemplate a conclusion, and at that conclusion, it will be over, final, right? At that conclusion, Lehman Brothers' use of the Lehman Brother mark will be over. That is correct. However, that has not happened yet. And the first prong of the statutory definition of abandonment is cessation of use. Tiger Lily is putting the cart before the horse by focusing on an intent not to resume. That only comes into play once you show the first prong of abandonment, which is cessation of use. Here, there has not been a cessation of use. Both Lehman Brothers and Barclays itself consistently and continuously have utilized the Lehman Brothers mark in connection with various... And you don't think it would be fair to surmise that that will come to an end, that when we're looking in the future in terms of what the future holds... That, that we're on a wind-down, not a continuing path, and not a wind-up. Is that fair? I think it's fair to say, yes, at some point that will come to an end. But I do want to point out that has been an argument Tiger Lily has made for the last eight years, consistently saying that eventually this will wind down, or saying this is coming soon. But it hasn't happened. It hadn't happened by the time of trial, and that's the evidence. So that you're saying if next on. year notices it's all done, they can run into back to the PTAB and say, "Okay, now we're in." 
Well, I do not agree that they would still be entitled to register the Lehman Brothers mark because there are additional grounds upon which we sought to oppose that mark. One being false suggestion of a connection, which the board made a legal error in analyzing it. They required that Barclays was required to show that Lehman Brothers was its own identity to establish a Section 2A false suggestion of a connection claim. That holding is expressly contrary to this court's opinions in Jewelers Vigilance. This court twice told the TTAB that so long as a party can maintain what was formerly known as standing in the TTAB, now it's called entitlement to a statutory cause of action, so long as you could make the basic showing of standing at the TTAB, then you could bring a Section 2A false suggestion claim or even a Section 2D likely confusion claim on behalf of a third party. Where would the standing be, say, 10 years after the winding down process is complete? The standing would be, one, that Barclays is the owner of the Lehman Brothers trademarks. Let's assume that there is an ironclad case of abandonment after no further services are being provided under Lehman. The people with the Lehman cards and the Lehman offices have been closed. The cards are gone. No further activity so that there's an ironclad abandonment case. There wouldn't be any 2A case, would there? I respectfully disagree. First of all, the statute expressly allows a Section 2A claim for false suggestion whether an institution is, quote, living or dead. In fact, the 2A determination is irrespective. Well, with respect to standing, that actually was not raised on the appeal, and that issue is waived. I understand that Article III standing cannot be waived, but this court made clear last year that if you do not raise whether a party had an entitlement to a statutory cause of action. Waived on appeal? I mean, this wasn't a basis for which the board decided this case, right? So you're saying they waived their argument by not responding to your cross-appeal? No, no. My point is that they didn't contend on their appeal that the parties, meaning Barclays, had a lack of standing to bring the case before the TTAB. They argued it below. They lost. They did not appeal that issue. On their primary appeal of likely confusion, and if you show standing for one aspect of an opposition, you have standing for any claim in an opposition, and that is well established. What about the parity argument? I also think the parity argument was waived. It was not raised on appeal. It was raised specifically below and briefed very, very thoroughly by both parties. But in terms of a claim of likely dilution, the statute makes clear that parity is not a defense to registration of a mark. And this court has also made clear that in the context of likely confusion, parity is not a defense to a mark that otherwise would be confusingly similar, as we have seen here. Do you regard the Lehman Brothers mark as famous? I think the Lehman Brothers mark is one of the most famous marks in the world. And yet the board found that it was for purpose of dilution that it was not famous. So does that apply to the likelihood of confusion issue as well? Well, two points, Your Honor. First of all, the level of fame required for a claim of likely dilution is much higher than it is for a claim of likely confusion. And second, that's not exactly what the TTAB said. 
the TTAB said that Barclays had not proffered evidence concerning some of the enumerated fame factors in the statute. And we disagree with that because the two factors, meaning publicity of the mark by third parties and actual recognition of the mark, we believe there was significant evidence submitted, including in the nature of third party, thousands of third party articles, thousands of pop culture references, Academy Award winning films, TV shows, lyrics, movies, books have all been written about Lehman Brothers, including a play that just ran on Broadway called the Lehman Trilogy. Well, your friend called it fabled. You know, this is getting harder rather than easier for me at least. And that's because it seems like a lot of your answers, which may be complete and persuasive, are based not on arguing for an affirmance of what the board did, but arguing for they were wrong, but if they had been right, that would have gone this way. So for you understand my concern here. It seems like your answer, all of your answers in defense to the conclusion the board reached are based on an analysis and legal questions where the board didn't go the way you wanted it to. Well, with respect first, because we got into the other questions, I haven't really discussed likely confusion, which we obviously believe the board got correct and this court should affirm on those grounds alone. Can we talk a little about what the board concluded? Because it seems to me that footnote contains 50 references to Trump. Well, Trump seems to me to be sui generis in this context with respect to fame and other things and the wide swath of services that he may be involved in. So leave that aside. So then we're talking about Capital One. Well, when somebody puts their name, a company puts its name on a baseball stadium or a basketball stadium, that brings in a whole swath of services that wouldn't otherwise inure to the company in the absence of that. So what's the basis other than, and I don't know if you have a comment on the question I asked your friend, which is whether they made an admission or a concession about bar services in the related proceeding. So tell me about why there's likelihood of confusion. Of course. Well, all of the relevant DuPont factors support a finding of likely confusion. The marks are identical in sight, sound, and connotation, as Your Honor said. But that's not enough. The board said there needs to be more. Yes, and I would be happy to go through all the relevant factors, including the relatedness. I'm interested as well. So would you like me just to go directly? Go through the factors and tell us why Lehman Brothers, a financial institution with a mark that was initially registered bar financial services, is similar enough to bar services and the like. Of course. So why don't I just skip right to the relatedness of the services? Because I think everyone sees that the other factors, the marks are identical. The Lehman mark is famous. Clearly, there was an intent here by Tiger Lily to create an association and ride on the goodwill of Lehman Brothers, calling it an obvious mark with great intrinsic value. They use the Lehman Brothers fonts. They reference Lehman Brothers in their marketing materials. And they admitted on two office action responses to the USPTO that they intended to create this association. But the big question is how are the services related? Well, because the marks are identical, Barclays need only show a viable relationship between the goods. And this court and the TTAB have made clear for decades 
that goods not be, need not be readily related or even marketed to the same class of consumers for there to be a relationship sufficient to show likely confusion. Here, first and foremost, Lehman Brothers itself in the past has released numerous promotional items with the Lehman Brothers brand, from pens to t-shirts to hats, including those related to alcoholic beverages. So, but aren't those just, I'm sorry to interrupt, but just on that point itself, weren't those done internally and for swag and for its customers? And doesn't the case law draw a distinction between stuff that's on the market for sale and stuff that's used internally for promotion? Okay, well, I would disagree it was used internally. As Your Honor noted, it was distributed directly to clients. That is the public. That is the relevant audience in a question of likelihood of confusion. So with respect to that, they were publicly disseminated. They're still traded by members of the public today. But the fact that they did this shows that there is a connection between the goods. And the standard here is very minimal when the marks are identical. And as Your Honor pointed out, there's no other meaning of Lehman Brothers. With respect to other evidence, it's clear that Tiger Lily was seeking to target those familiar with the Lehman Brothers mark. That also shows the relationship to goods. They thought consumers would make that connection. If you could go back to your answer to Judge Prost. I think you mentioned the swag. Was there anything else that relates the financial services of Lehman Brothers to the activities of Tiger Lily? The other evidence we relied upon, setting the Trump marks aside, were significant evidence of third parties who had registrations or common law use for a single mark that covered both parties' goods and services. And again, that kind of evidence is typically relied upon and approved by this court to show the relatedness of the parties' goods. Because if consumers see that other companies are offering both parties' services from a single source, they're more likely to think that the parties' services and goods here emanate from a single source. Is there anything in the record evidencing that financial people drink? That, I think, probably is an admission that maybe is implied somewhere in Tiger Lily's marketing materials. I will concede I don't recall them admitting that the services were related. I will concede that. That was an argument, and we believe the TTAB correctly found, based on the substantial evidence, that there was a viable relationship between the parties' goods and services. And, Your Honor, to just address one point you made before, I don't think we're saying that the TTAB got the facts wrong. With respect to the Section 2A claim, they didn't determine that Lehman Brothers wasn't Lehman Brothers' identity. I think we all agree it is. They just made an error of law precluding Barclays from even raising that argument because they said it was not Barclays' identity. Barclays didn't argue it was Barclays' identity. We argued from the start that it was Lehman Brothers' identity. We argued under Jeweler's Vigilance, and this Court affirmed most recently in the Piano Group case that you can assert the right of a third party. You don't have to show it's your own identity. In Jeweler's Vigilance, the identity for De Beers was a third party. It wasn't even a member of the Opposers Trade Association group. It was wholly unrelated. I'm trying to think of a case that you would agree would be outside of the realm of what 
Lehman, the Lehman Brothers mark would protect uh, for purposes of likelihood of confusion. Uh, suppose a rock band called themselves Lehman Brothers. Covered? Not covered. I, I hate to speak in hypotheticals, obviously. Oh, that's we know. deal in hypotheticals <laughs> all the time. Of course, Your Honor. Uh, obviously, you know, there are numerous factors to consider under the DuPont test. Um, I can't say in the abstract whether certain services would or not be confusingly similar, especially when you have to look at other factors here, like intent to create well, association. Well, let me, let me put it this way. Your, your evidence had a bottle of alcohol so of some form, I guess whiskey, that had Lehman Brothers on it, I believe. I believe that was an item that was in evidence. Am I correct? Uh, your Honor, I see I'm out of time. May I continue okay, to answer? Of course, yeah. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, the evidence we showed from Lehman Brothers' own swag, is that right. what you're referring yes. to? Yes. There were, I believe there was a decanter, there was a wine set, and one, a wine book, and there may have been a few others. So I'm trying to get a sense of whether, to the extent to which you're relying on those pieces of swag as the basis for the uh, your suggestion that there's a likelihood of confusion, if those particular exhibits were not in the record, would you still have a likelihood of confusion, and if so, why? Uh, yes, I believe I would, uh, because of the other evidence we submitted, uh, which includes their intent to target the same class of consumers, those familiar with the Lehman Brothers financial firm, and also because of the evidence of the third-party registrations and common law uses that show both parties' products emanating from a single source. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Mr. Garson has some rebuttal time. Your Honours, three points, if I may. First and foremost, Your Honours, on the face of the record, Your Honours, correct, I can't go back from what it says in the answer. Uh, there seems to be an admission there. The only thing I can state is mea culpa. That seems to have been an error on the face of the amended answer. Um, three points, realistically, to deal with. The swag point. Your Honour, the law is clear that resales by third part, by third parties, things that go on on eBay, Craigslist, etc., do not in your back because it's not coming from the original source. Otherwise, my firm, uh, GS2 Law, would be known for very ropey golf umbrellas that uh, uh, that fall apart at a breath of wind. Uh, that uh, swag is there to be promotional throwaway items that are uh, are, are part of yesteryear. One of the second questions that comes to mind from having heard my own friend, Mr. Shimonov, you honours, is what class of customers are we talking about here? Barclays sold off its entire banking division regarding Lehman Brothers. It sold them off. So who are these consumers, this mythical consumer that Barclays is talking about? Or is it talking about the public writ large? The public at large knows uh, knows that there was a bank at a certain point called Lehman Brothers that had its own uh, that had its own downfall, and therefore they are the generalised consumers to whom Barclays does not currently target and hasn't targeted arguably since two thousand and eight. There is no consumer from which they can talk uh, to. Then the third point, which is where they spoke about the relatedness of services of other third parties. And we should just dwell on that briefly because there is not one case that they can talk about where somebody used a mark way back when and there is a third party 
service to which they can then draw a correlation. The third-party registrations that we're talking about was Harley-Davidson, which sells motorcycles and financial products to be able to purchase those motorcycles. So, for example, like, um, uh, like going to buy a BMW and leasing it. That is a financial product that is related to the motorcycles. Similarly, in those circumstances, when Sotheby's has a wine-selling division and it sells insurance to go along with its wine-selling division, there is a necessary correlation between one business in the ordinary course and another business in the ordinary course. Let me offer you a hypothetical that, that may be not quite as easy for you as those two. Uh, suppose that I am uh, I am selling jumpsuits and I want to fancy them up and you know give them some panache. So I put the Ferrari logo on my jumpsuit right on uh, the breast of the uh, of the suit. Uh, I have nothing to do with Ferrari. Am I? Do you think there is a risk of confusion in that setting? Now, mind you, that the logo is an absolute completely accurate copy of the Ferrari logo with the rearing horse and the colors and the even the signature and the uh, unusual font. Likelihood of confusion in that setting? Well, you're, you're, you're on a course. First, uh, of course, first and foremost, Ferrari does sell jumpsuits. Secondly, well, I, I, the Ferrari I, I, drivers wear them okay, when they're well, driving in Formula well, 1. Well, let's, let's suppose then instead of jumpsuits, let's say that I'm selling um, some form of... Uh, yeah, whiskey. Whiskey, oh, whiskey. Whiskey. Well, hopefully they're not. I'm out of time. Might I answer, Your Honour? Yes, um, well, first, hopefully the drivers aren't drinking whilst driving. Uh, we should caution that on the record. Say, uh, say to make it slightly different for this case, either whiskey or shoes. Certainly, you are. If, if there is an active business that is out there where you've got a controlled licensing function, of course there would be confusion. In those circumstances, because it is a current Even famous mark. Even if I'm selling mark. the shoes with the Ferrari mark on it, and Ferrari, let's by, by hypothesis, does not sell shoes, I would be foreclosed from doing that. Are you yeah. saying that? Your Honor, could, could be, because we're dealing with an incredibly famous mark that hasn't gone through the cataclysmic change that Lehman Brothers has gone through, yeah. that is still an active business that has a consumer-facing um a consumer-facing uh, arm in the ordinary course. But it sounds like you're really relying more on the abandonment point than on the likelihood of confusion point with respect to the hypothetical. Your Honour, of course, of, of course I am. Okay. Because, because that, in my respectful submission, is the strongest one. However, one has to credit in certain regards a consumer with a little bit of common sense and, may we say, a little bit of a sense of humour. Those are my submissions. Okay. Thank you both counsel for excellent arguments. The case is submitted.